In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Many of you know that I have a sister. Her name is Paige. She's a verger here at All Saints, and she was an intern a couple of years ago. If you don't know her, she has wild, curly hair, a big smile, and an even bigger personality. You are, who are laughing know who she is. I've been told that whenever there are two sisters, one is always the watcher and one is always the dancer. She is definitely the dancer. And it's why I hate today's gospel, because I'm clearly Martha. <laughs> Even though I'd love to be Paige, I mean Mary. Martha follows the rules. And she doesn't stray from the rules even when God himself is standing in her living room. The rules have made her safe. She doesn't have to worry about what to do when Jesus is standing in the midst of her because it's already been laid out for her. She has to clean the dishes and get the bread ready and do the tea. It's all been laid out. She doesn't have to worry that he might not like her because she's following the rules, right? She's chosen safety over something unknown and truly spectacular. Her instinct is to please the Lord rather than to know the Lord. I, too, am a rule follower, and I have learned that this is my Achilles heel. This, if I let it, will be what keeps me from knowing God. Because sometimes I can be right in the middle of celebrating Eucharist and Christ's body will be in my hand. And the only thing that's on my mind is whether or not I've missed that last note and the choir is going to be upset with me. <laughs> and then other times I've been beaten down or scared are hopeless, and I didn't have it in me to follow the rules. And Jesus' presence was so palpable that all I could do was weep in his presence. And those are the moments that have been etched into my soul and caused me to seek hungrily after him. But it's a battle for me. I need structure. I need ritual. I need to know something, not everything, but something so that I can orient myself in the direction of God. I need to know that there is something that's real and it's not just all in my head. I need to know that God's name is Jesus. I need to know that he died on the cross for my salvation. I need to know that he wants me to love everybody. Those are the bits of information that give God shape and provide a story that tells me who I am. And if you were to tell me after 33 years that I'm actually adopted and the family history that I grew up knowing wasn't the whole story, I think I'd be totally lost. And in the same way, if you told me that God was more than Jesus and that the story of his life, death, and resurrection wasn't the whole story, I'd be totally lost. But the truth is, 
I am more than my family history, and there is still more for me to discover about myself. This was news to me when I was 25, but I'm letting it be okay now. In the same way, God is more than the story that is told in the Bible, and there is still more for us to discover. The question is, are we Martha or are we Mary? Are we going to miss God when he's standing right in front of us because we are distracted by our tasks, saying our prayers, reciting the Nicene Creed, singing a hymn, going to Sunday school? Or are we going to sit at the Lord's feet and listen to what he has to say? If I didn't become a priest, I would have been a scientist. If I'm truthful, what I want to say is, when I became a priest, I became a scientist. Because the two go hand in hand for me. And my favorite book in seminary, it's a long title, stick with me. But my favorite book was Clayton and Peacock's In Whom We Live and Move and Have Our Being, Pantheistic Reflections on God's Presence in a Scientific World. (laughs) And the book begins with a great line, also long, but stick with me. The very beginning of the book is, The conviction that God is, in principle and by definition ineffable, beyond all explicit description, greater than we can ever conceive, has in practice not inhibited human beings over the centuries from speculation and often dogmatic assertion concerning that same God's relation to the world. In other words, the fact that we all know that God is too big to understand has not stopped us from trying to explain him and therefore confine him into a manageable-sized box. I think in our yearning for God, in our desperation to feel his love and be touched by our creator again, we hold tight to what we have learned of him, and we never let go, not even to see more of him. We are afraid that when we risk more in learning, we will lose him altogether. And that's a real fear. I'll never forget when I left my evangelical, non-denominational church. I was grasping at anything to get oriented to God again. It was scary. It seemed like there was too much out there and that I would never know the true God. Being in the image of God, it was very easy for me to cast myself as God. There was nothing to show me the way outside of myself, and I began to long for that balance sheet that my former pastor had shown me where he listed all my sins on one side and all my gifts on the other, and he drew a line through my sins and wrote Jesus on it, and he said, that's everything. And I, I longed for that to be everything again, to have a sense of certainty. But you know, it wasn't enough. And my faith began to fall flat. So I had to move forward. I had to move on. Learning about who God actually is who we are in relation to that God, and what we are supposed to be doing with this gift of a life is complicated. And we were never meant to figure it out, full stop, and cease to grow. 
the answers, like us, evolve. And the more that we evolve, the more connected we are to God and each other. It's for that reason that I love today's passage from Colossians. It was originally a hymn, and contained within this beautiful song is the story of creation and evolution. The acknowledgement that things have been hidden and can only be revealed through Christ who lives inside of us. It's echoing what Jesus said to us in the 16th chapter of John when he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We did not receive the end of the story when Jesus lived, died, and resurrected. There was still more. And I think in our aching to be reunited with Christ, we let the story define our relationship with him so that we wouldn't have to change and so that he couldn't change. And we would never have to lose him again. But I'm beginning to sense a restlessness among Christians. I'm beginning to feel like the story isn't enough anymore. And I think that restlessness has caused a decline in membership across the nation. We all know membership isn't suffering here, but I think we can still feel that restlessness from our brothers and sisters. People are starting to say things like, the church is dying. Our own bishop is telling new priests that they need to be bivocational because jobs are drying up and money is disappearing. Church, as we know it, is beginning to shift. And I think the gospel for today and the letter in Colossians is telling us that not only is this okay, but it's good and natural. Martha, Martha, there is need of only one thing, to sit and listen. I believe that we are currently in the throes of an evolutionary step forward. We are evolving spiritually. Theologian Matthew Fleming says that the content and structure of Colossians assert that the universe was ordered by the benevolence of God who creates through divine intermediaries such as wisdom or the law. And since humanity was also created in this manner, people possess within themselves the capacity to sense and locate the divine order. Today's text explains to us that we naturally have a private connection to God that pulls us toward him. Like the waves of the ocean that are pulled by the moon, so too are we pulled by God. And I think humanity is beginning to wake up to that pulling on a massive scale. But I'm not sure that we allow that private faith to be nurtured by our church because it doesn't always align with that old story or it doesn't seem like there's a place for it. And to give you an example of what I mean, I know for a fact that there are people in this church who do not believe that Jesus dying on the cross really mattered that much. And I know for a fact that there are people in this church who believe that Jesus dying on the cross is the only thing that mattered. 
yet we don't talk about it. I have my faith, and you have yours, and we come together to share in Christ's body and his blood once a week, and we call it a day. But the church cannot evolve along with us if we don't share our truths with each other. In today's gospel, Jesus is telling us that he is standing right in front of us and he doesn't want us to miss him. He is giving us permission to let go a little bit and he is telling us that we are not going to lose him when we do. The fact that Mary is not doing what she is supposed to be doing and is instead simply listening has been noticed by Jesus and he says, Mary has chosen the better part which will not be taken away from her. So as we go up to that altar and we receive his body and we drink his blood, let us be present to that moment. Let's be open to what is coming up for us and how we are being asked to move forward. And let's be a community that nurtures one another's truth. Amen.